0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz interview series with prolific and veteran L.A.-based freelance jazz musician Jim Self. He talked openly about his latest 2017 album Floating in Winter, He was born in Franklin, Pennsylvania, and has since moved on to a very fruitful career playing the tuba. Since 1974, he has worked for all the major Hollywood studios, performing for over 1,500 motion pictures and hundreds of television shows and records. In fact, he was the voice of the mothership from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Along with the recordings and performances, he is an adjunct professor of tuba and chamber music at the University of Southern California's Thornton School of Music. So please get to know Jim and dig this interview, my friends.
1: Again, Jim, thank you for taking some time out. I'm looking forward to speaking with you.
2: Great. Me too.
1: So let me go ahead and start here. I want to kind of start with what is more ever-present, kind
2: of what pulled me into
1: your orbit a little bit here, which is your floating in winter CD. Talk to me about this project a little bit.
2: John Chiadini, this guitar player, I've been playing with him in, the, in this this little big band, David Angel's band, for some time, and we just have a good rapport personally, and uh, and we got together and played a few tunes, and uh, it was magic, you know, just tuba and guitar. I I still don't, you know, it's one of those things you meet people in your life that just you click with musically, and he was one of them, and so we we. We've got some tunes together and pretty much improvised the whole album.
1: It sounds like it. It it, it. it it has that feeling in the entire album. Let me go back to the beginnings of your life in Franklin, Pennsylvania. Okay. And and, and I want to know...
2: My hometown was Oil City. I was born in Franklin, but I grew up in Oil City. Right In there.
1: Oil City. Uh, okay, good in deal. Oil,
2: so just a few miles away, yeah. So it's a small-town mentality kind of thing up there? Oh, yes, yes. Back in the days when I was young, uh, that was still a big oil town, you know, uh, but now it's Rust Belt and it's very rural and it's a pretty, it's on the Allegheny River.
1: So how did you get into music? How, how did this life of yours happen there where you love jazz and you got into music so much?
2: Well, I'm, I'm a tuba player, you know, a professional tuba player, so, but I started out as a guitar player. As a nine-year-old, and then in junior high they needed a tuba and a band, and I had some musical training, so I did it. And all through high school that sort of went well, and, and, uh, played in the state bands and things like that. And I decided to go be a band director, like my teachers, and went to Indiana, Pennsylvania University, of Pennsylvania, Indiana University, Pennsylvania, and, uh, studied to be a band director. But you know, it was like most kids and you're that age, you don't know what to do, so I did what I liked to do the best and I went to be a musician, so. After that, though, after, after going to Indiana, I got out January, uh, three and a half years and there were no jobs. So I asked to go to a U.S. Army band concert in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Just on a lark, I went backstage and asked the principal tuba player if there was an opening. He said, yes, come down to Washington and audition. So I did, and I got in the Army band, which was the best break of my life, probably. It's a great band. We played at the White House and all that kind of stuff, you know.
1: So when you were growing up and you were kind of getting your mind wrapped
2: around jazz, what albums,
1: what musicians did you listen to that really got you going?
2: I'm trying to say how early it was, you know, I was a bass player also for many years, Uh electric and string bass, and uh started that in college and then played it for many years and played gigs and dance jobs and jazz bands and stuff like that. So I was connected to jazz in that way more than as a tuba player. I could trying to think who I would listen to the most in those days. Well, I, I, lo- I loved those trio albums of Bill Evans and Oscar Peterson and people like that. I loved that stuff. And I loved the Bossa Nova back in the 60s when I was a young guy. So I was very much into those two kind of tunes and, and harmonies and stuff. All through college I played guitar, and just just like a, a Freddie Green kind of rhythm guitar in a, College stage band, and but I didn't really get serious on the in jazz on the tuba until I was in my thirties, and I had done a I, w- I did a whole year with John Hendricks, the great uh, jazz singer, on a, a show here in Los Angeles, and um, I was playing bass and tuba, and I I, I left that show saying I have got to really get good become a good uh, jazz player. So I devoted 25 years to it, to be honest, to become a better jazz player on the tuba. Along the way, I made several albums and played. With, and learned a lot and still learning a lot. Yeah.
1: Well, and you're a well-educated man. You got multiple degrees. Your final one was a doctorate from the University of Southern California. What, what did formal education teach you about being a musician and mastering your instrument?
2: You know, you have to, I mean, all the, all the, uh, critical things of reading, uh, playing in tune, playing with good rhythm, playing with, uh, uh, you know, symphony orchestras and with, uh, chamber music and recitals and all kinds of stuff like that I did. And, and then of course, I was a studio musician for 40 years here in Los Angeles and, uh, I read. You have to be a really good classical player, as well as be able to handle fields and, and Dixieland and other kinds of things that a tuba player might have to do. So, uh, oh, and by the way, I, when I was in the army band, I did start playing Lamb's sousaphone in the clubs in Washington. I had a fake name because you couldn't be in the union then. I wore a wig, <laughs> but uh, but I played in those you know those kind of beer hall type like places. Uh, in those days were pretty popular, sing-along, Dixieland kind of places. And I learned a lot of tunes then. So. But that's that's line tuba playing, it's not uh, solo playing like I, I do in this. Well, um, actually this new album I'm playing both. I play bass lines under the guitar and uh, I'm, I'm happy to get back to that in a way.
1: Well, you've been around for quite a while, and this is kind of a deviation from my regular questioning. But I want to kind of take a detour here and ask you: You've been around so long that you've seen so many changes happen, not only in the music industry but in jazz. What have been the main What have been the main changes that you've enjoyed seeing in music over the years?
2: Enjoyed seeing. <laughs> Sometimes I think about the things I don't enjoy because uh, they've decimated the studio business out here. And uh you know, the fact that music is being recorded for they go where they get it done cheapest and so on. But uh oh boy, that's a that's a big broad question. Um uh, uh well I, I'm I'm open to everything. I don't particularly care for the uh minimalist music like Philip Glass and people like that then but but most everything I'm definitely uh, into you know, Stravinsky and all those kind of people, and you know, m- modern twentieth-century music, uh, and in jazz in particular. Well, I've I've been through the this changeover from string bass to electric bass, and when it became more rock-oriented in the seventies and sixties, uh, and so on. But I was one of the people who was able to, to make that change. A lot of string bass players never could take up the electric bass. And so I was very much into the bands of that era. I actually had a, a, a kind of a, a horn band, like we called, like a Bud sweat, and tears band. When I, I taught at the University of Tennessee, when I was a young guy for five years, and I had a band in Knoxville. It was a nine-piece horn band that I did all the charts for, and and uh, played bass in it, and uh, learned a lot. I, I like those tunes. I like that Bud sweat, and tears Chicago uh Earth, Wind and Fire, the well we guess we called them jazz rock in that day. So I enjoyed that stuff. I put a couple of those Man Jones tunes on my new album which uh sort of are from that era. I'm trying to think what else I I, I appreciate about the music modern more you know, if things that come along, uh it's always changing, I can tell you that. And uh I don't like the fact that everything is so damn loud. <laughs> and that's pretty much everywhere and that really kills it for somebody like a tuba player.
1: Well, the one thing, I kind of want to talk about your work with the studios and it seems like, you know, over the years, you've probably been in so many soundtracks and on so many pieces of music that people have heard. What kind of joy does that bring you to be in that capacity to bring that to such a large volume of people?
2: Well, you know, I'm just, in a movie, Score. I worked for John Williams for twenty-five years, for instance, and I did a lot of his stuff and a lot of. Most of the time, when you play in a studio, you don't. A tuba player doesn't have too much to do. You know, it's not that hard, uh, but it's critical. You can't make a mistake. <laughs> uh, and it's all sight read too, by the way. So you don't know the job, you don't know the music till you get to the job, and uh, so that's a critical thing. And that, by the way, would relate back to your question about the classical playing, you know. To be a good studio musician you have to be a tuba player needs to be a good classical player. As well as hopefully have some jazz chops or some some other uh commercial strengths rhythmically. To your question about uh, I don't think of myself as being that important a player in the movies, rather, you know, I'm just one of a hundred people maybe you know, in a, in a big movie. But if I have a solo that's a big deal. Not only is it challenging, but it, it means something in the movie. Yeah. And uh, usually, when they use tuba solos, the guys that certain guys like John Debney, James Newton Howard, and uh, uh, J- James Horner, people that I was principal tuba for, and John Williams, they love the tuba, and they wrote a lot of tuba solos for me in those movies, and often scary. I mean, like you know, scary little challenging things to sight read and. And stay calm and pull them off. Now, when I hear them in the movies, uh, I'm you know I'm happy about it. I'm happy if it turns people on. You know, I my my part is rather small in it though.
1: Your first album that came out, that self produced, was Children of Play in '83, correct?
2: That's correct. How do you feel about
1: your work aside from the studio? as an individual or even collaborating with folks. Do you feel good about your career as far as that's concerned?
2: I've had a wonderful career. I'm I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I really am. And uh, the studio part of it is kind of wound down now. Younger guys, often my own students, are getting the gigs. But I'm still very busy playing symphony jobs and opera and stuff like that, teaching and composing a lot. And uh, anyway... uh, well, well, like I said, I, I play in these orchestras, and I have for pretty much my whole career here in LA, and they're excellent. Pacific Symphony and the LA Opera are, uh, world-class orchestras. And so I, I play in those, and I play at a very high level with, with great singers and great conductors and great concert halls. And that's almost every week I have a symphony or an opera gig. So that's, that's more my, my, uh, my active playing these days than anything, and um, although I, I say I would still have to say my love is playing jazz and improvising, being you know expressing myself melodically, which most two players don't get to do very often.
1: That's my next question for you. Why? What is it about jazz? Since you've been kind of in the spectrum of, of possibilities with sound producing it, why is it that jazz? Why do you like jazz? Why do you love jazz? I should say.
2: Wow, that's another question. I, it, it's it's almost t- too subjective. It's it's a it's just a feeling. I mean, I, I like I said, I have been listening to jazz since I was a teenager, and always liked it, you know. But I never felt that I was able to do it because of the instrument I played and so on and. But I've been around it all the time, and I just, I like the ribbons, I like, I, I, I I, I think there are two things in in music. I discovered this one in my twenties. The the real create, the only real artists in music are the composers and the improvisers. Everybody else is a recreative artist. Like an opera singer is not the artist. He's an artist, he's artistic, but he's not the one that wrote the music, and it's the composers and the improvisers. So I, I've, I've sort of said to myself, somehow I want to make my life better in those areas and try to get pretty good at composing and improvising. And I started working on it for since I was a young guy. And uh, jazz, I don't. It, I just have it in my bones. I think you know. I'm, I'm not nearly as good as I'd like to be, but, but i got the rest of my life to work on it. Right on. And Jack, As you know, Jack Sheldon, the great trumpet player, I love what he said at 85 years old. Jack said, I'm just trying to get good.
1: <laughs> I like that. Um, so let me ask you this about being You've been around great teachers, and now you're a teacher, and you've been a teacher. What is your philosophy with the kids? What do you want to give the kids as an educator?
2: Like you say, I've been teaching college for almost fifty years, in one way or another. A college tuba majors, and I've dealt with all the stuff they do: recitals and playing the sonatas and the concerti, and, and uh, the, the, you know, all the way through the doctor's degrees with kids. And so I've dealt with all of that. What I focus a little bit more on now with my, my teaching is is the creative side, because that's something. What I tend to or, or emphasize the things that I wish I'd done better when I was young. I try to get them composing. I try to get them uh, playing by ear. Most tuba players can't even play their national anthem without making a mistake, because they're not used to playing melodies. But uh, they can all sing it without making a mistake. But they can. So I, get, I try to train them to be uh, better with their ears. And uh, they can get... I get the, the more classical training and from the other teachers they're with. That's my focus, anyway.
1: Yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, in your life, you've gotten awards. You've gotten accolades. I, w- I don't want to know the one that was a favorite one, but I want to know what award did you receive in your career that surprised you the most, just kind of threw you for a tailspin you didn't expect it. It's
2: hard to say. I mean, I kind of expected some of them. <laughs> I was told I was told ahead of time they were coming. But like I got a lifetime achievement award at my university in Pennsylvania and uh and the International Tuba Euphonium Association uh gave me a uh, the same kind of thing, you know, a lifetime achievement thing. Uh and uh, I've had those 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 things were certainly uh impressive to me and I've because of it, I've become much more involved with those those, those institutions and in, in some philanthropy and some uh, giving back a little bit. You know, they they, they treated me like I was important. <laughs> Everybody wants that in their life. Uh, I don't know. There's any surprises there. I was I was a uh, the the NARAS the uh, the you know the uh, Grammys people. Uh, 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 yes, that one is. There anyway, yeah, the Grammys people, they used to have a, a most valuable player award here in Los Angeles for studio musicians. And I won that three times and then and uh that was that was pretty cool. Yeah. They don't give that award anymore. <laughs> yeah.
1: What is one of the nicest things or what's a good story from a fan that really was moved by your work that you've received over the years that you remember?
2: One of the signature things in my career was I got to play the uh Voice of the mothership in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Which is that five note bum bum and yeah. that was just a lark. I mean my teacher Tommy Johnson was his John Williams tuba player at the time and he was on a vacation. Hmm. And I get this call to do this job, it ends up in the movie. It's it's sort of been a signature part of my whole career, you know, everybody knows about it and it is probably, it's definitely the biggest tuba thing in any movie ever So that is that is definitely a, in a, somewhat of a trademark although I think I've done more challenging things and more interesting things in other ways but they don't get depressed in a big movie like that gets.
1: So you had mentioned you've said it several times that you know you're just you're still working on your, your craft but I want to ask you this what what plans do you have for the future what do you, what do you kind of want to accomplish? Do you have anything on your radar, short or long term, that's really a big part of your music career and existence?
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have a this for sure. Absolutely. And uh, I'm at an age now where I better do it now or it ain't going to happen. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm trying to stay in good physical shape so I can play well and keep my orchestras going. And... Uh, I love playing jazz. I'm trying to play more with John Chaggidini and the other groups I play with. And, uh, uh, I like to sell more records. You know, I like to, I like to, I like to play some concerts with, but, you know, it's kind of a hard thing to book. But, uh, that's on my, plus I have some other recording plans. I'm, I'm a composer. I didn't start till I was almost 50 years old, but I've got about 60 or more pieces of music all the way from symphony to, Band and uh, chamber music and solo pieces and jazz, and uh I love doing that. And so I'm going to write more. Hopefully, I'll have opportunities and reasons to write. You know, concerts or commissions or something. And uh I- I'm as busy as I want to be. Believe me. And uh, it's all basically, it's all it's all music related. That's I'm a, I call myself a music holic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's a good thing to be here.
2: Yeah, it, it is. It, it keeps me sane and, and keeps me from doing bad things in my life, you know, with food or drugs or anything else, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: Absolutely. It's a safe addiction. So let me ask you this. Everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, and your fans. But when you wake up and you face the world, who do you think you are?
2: <laughs> well, that's a <laughs> tough question. I am generally an upbeat happy person. And uh the only times I ever get down is is when it, maybe I have been had a night of drinking or something like that, you know. Uh, and I know that's self-imposed, so I try to avoid that as much as possible, especially as I get older. Uh, I don't think of myself as I uh, hopefully hopefully I've added something to this world uh, musically in the tuba world particularly. And I've Move the ball forward a little bit. You asked me earlier about why did I want to play jazz. Well, my two my two most important teachers were Harvey Phillips, who was in New York City. I'll play them technically, or 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 any other way, except maybe I could be, get a little attention, as you know, because I played jazz, which is not common among classical tuba players. So that was that was one of the driving forces, was to take their dream a little further than they were able to.
1: So I guess my final question is this: You have left quite an imprint on the world of jazz and recorded music. When people slip back the proverbial page of jazz and music and come across your name, how would you want to be remembered? How would you like your contribution to music be seen by the world and generations to
2: come? Well, you ask tough questions, man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, without being too arrogant, I really want, uh, want people to recognize my contributions to it, that I move the ball forward, like I said that uh the tuba is uh in my hands has has grown and technically and, and musically and that maybe I'm turning some people on with my recorded music and my compositions. That those things would make me happy. Uh I think that kind of a and I'm also very involved in uh uh giving scholarships and stuff to tuba players and brass groups at different colleges so that's that's part of my legacy
1: too wonderful and i think that's happening jim thank you for being so gracious with difficult questions and opening up your world to talking about the new album i appreciate it
2: thanks
0: man thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another neon jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in los angeles kansas city and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz and thanks to jim for his cool his history and his time if you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the music, my friends.
2: Neon Jazz.